Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleash and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. What does that say? Reactivity week. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about? Reactivity for a change. Oh, didn't we do reactivity month at one stage? No? Who cares? Um, not we us. did it in the wrong place. If we yes, did, we did. So. All right. Welcome to back to reactivity yeah. week. We missed one week of lives and... We are no better for it. No, sorry guys, I was sick last week. Um, Stop sneezing in the air, people. That would be really nice. In the air, <laughs> there are alternatives. All oh, right. <laughs> you know, pandemic, anyone? <laughs> yeah. Reactivity week. <laughs> That's my reactivity for um, this five seconds. All right. If you, what is what comes under the bracket of a reactive dog? Uh, what comes under the bracket yeah. of a reactive dog? What people consider a reactive reactivity and reactive dog. Um, a dog that displays lunging, barking, growling, air snapping towards something else. Could be another dog or a person. Or a bus. Or a bus. <laughs> or a child. Or a scooter. Or a lawnmower. Or an umbrella. Mm. Or a handbag. Anything that they display a... Um, out of ordinary response. Yeah. Okay. And where does reactivity normally come from, from the dog? Yeah, no? That's a big one. <laughs> Just going to put you on the spot. Loads. Thank you. Loads. Uh, well, that's it. There is so many, a multitude of things that, you know, a dog can become uh, where the basis of, I'm doing you, I'm hiding. <laughs> um there's a lot of reasons why dogs can, can display reactive behaviour. It can be caused, uh, the base can be from pain. Uh, the base can be from previous learning history. Uh, a dog could have been um, attacked, so they've been traumatised. A dog could have sensitivity issues in terms of skin issues, gut issues. They could have been trained using aversive methods around those particular stimulus which creates a negative association. Uh, they could also be frustrated because they can't access the particular stimulus when they may have been able to before. So their learning history was that they could access something and now they can't because of restraint. It be like an accumulation of stress and just the final tipping point. Well, yeah, you know, trick was what we know is or has been labelled as trigger stacking. You know, if you have one thing and something else and something else and then something pops up and then it's all of a sudden you see this excessive response that seems to come out of nowhere. Mm. So there's a multitude of things. It could be, you know, um, there they weren't they weren't socialised early uh, early enough or they were over-socialised early enough 
or there could have been some trauma very young when they were puppy but it didn't actually come out, doesn't come actually to the front of the brain until they go through developmental stages, which is something that also happens with humans. So there are just so many multitudes of reasons. It could be, a you know, going even further, further down, it could be a neurological issue, it could be a sight issue, it could be a hearing issue. Like there are just so many different things that we would have to try and we would have to observe the dog and really stand back and look at the dog from a holistic perspective to understand where that actually comes from. And that in itself, like that awesome summary <laughs> that, that I, even I wasn't expecting one done um, <laughs> that was awesome um, kind of sums up why when we're looking at reactivity and trying to help a dog struggling with reactivity to, to really kind of go down the route of supporting the dog in that moment and you know I said this I said this in a social media story yesterday like if you have a reaction to your dog reacting Right? Like you might go, no, shit, stop, and try to put the fire out because you weren't prepared or you're just having a bad day or for whatever reason. Like, that's, that's going to happen. Right? It's happened to the best of us. I did it with Arch. Yeah, I did it. I, I, honestly, like with Otis, probably too often, but hey, like, there is, as long as that's not part of the training plan. No, that's but that's our, when we're looking at it. So you know the 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 reaction comes from in here. Yeah, you're right. not thinking about it. It's not a deliberation thing. No, no, no. It's a response. Yeah. Well, it's a reaction. Like when we look at different things. So if I'm working with a dog that is struggling with reactivity, and I do say struggling because they're not they're not doing it on purpose. You know, they have that reaction, and you can see. You know the the after effect of them emotionally, you know, mm. they're not going, that was amazing. Bloody love that. <laughs> you know, you can see that some of them, they're quite um, disheveled, they're lost, they're sometimes they're really confused because they've been filled with an emotion, the brain has responded to that and they've done something mm. and then it's kind of, you know, once the adrenaline, mm. kind of like when people sometimes get into fights and they go, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. Yeah because you're reacting to your emotions at that period of time. Yeah. So it's it's a struggle for the dog as well as it is for the human. So when your dog reacts, and especially if you've seen that reaction so many times and you leave the house, you're like, what's going to happen today? Yeah. So your preparedness for it, but also looking for that, I know, I know they're going to react today. I know they are. Come on, buddy. I'm, you're okay. Come on, buddy. And then they react. You're like, see, see, I told it, told you. You react. You then react to the dog. You're apologetic to the humans because then you feel embarrassed and, and ashamed mm-hmm. because of the unfortunate generalization of, well, you've got a bad dog. Yeah. And that seems to be the, a big problem. Like, a lot of people are sh- like, do look at it like, well, your dog shouldn't react like that. Sorry, we're going to let you in another day, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, that was him. <laughs> that was not me. Sorry. <laughs> but when we've got these, uh, you know, that societal viewpoint of, well, your dog shouldn't be reactive. It's a bad dog. That's that's a really big tipping point for me. Like, it needs to change because nobody wants to be reactive. You know, um, 
and dogs certainly don't. Our dogs don't carry that ego that some people might if they <laughs> take pride in their reactivity. But um, yeah, our dogs certainly aren't taking pride in their reactivity and they don't want to be feeling that way. Um, and I think if we get over that stigma, I think you would see a lot more people supporting their dogs rather than trying to correct their dogs. Well, I think it's, it's similar to if we look at how we have where we are as humans in terms of understanding human emotions and and how we respond to them so that we have a lot more open conversations about people and mental health, both males and females and other, you know, other um, um, genders and, you know, how, what, where people feel they are in society and whether society accepts them. So we're having those conversations so that we can sit and have a adult conversation without judgment mm. and feel supported when, you know, you have someone who says, do you know, what? I'm really not struggling today and I need help. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling worried or I'm feeling, you know, if someone is feeling that they're at the end of their tether, you know, they they ha- they are more likely to feel that they can reach out because it is becoming a more general, a more acceptable. I think is more the word a more acceptable um, thing to talk about because it's not weak. Yeah. You know, if you don't feel good, if you're feeling depressed, or if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling anxious, or if you're feeling like you, you can't go any further forward, and you you feel supported, you don't feel like mm. you're. I'm a weak person, so I shouldn't say anything. So, you know, there are support systems out there. So I think when we look at how we've moved in terms of of humans and and our understanding and taking these labels off humans, and and then if we compare that, how what we're seeing in terms of how people observe and work with dogs... Mm -hmm. There aren't as many people who work with dogs using aversives. There are a lot yeah, me, more it's people. In the right way. It's moving in the right way, and it, and it will take time. Yeah. And there will always be people who will continue down that track, and you know they'll they'll learn when they're ready, or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving people the benefit out here. Well, you're generous today. Oh yeah, I am. <laughs> I feel I'm in a good mood today. Good. Um, so the time is coming that we will, you know, see someone with a reactive dog. And I do, I have clients who say to me that, you know, they'll be walking down the street and they will start to move their dog away if there's a dog coming down. And the person with the dog will coming, well, no, that's okay, I'll move for you. Mm -hmm. You know, they will acknowledge and be the advocate for both the dogs and go, okay, I see I see that you're trying to work with your dog. I'm going to give you that space, which is amazing. Yeah. So I think it is if, if we, you know, do talk about this more and if anyone is, you know, not feeling good, please do reach out to someone, yeah. you know. Don't ever feel like you can't. Sorry, I just wanted to say that because, you know, we all have struggles in life. But there is more of a forward movement of people taking a step back and being empathetic and trying to understand rather than just instantly going into that judge of going, you're bad, it's you that... Yeah. So... Um- that's a, you're right it's definitely moving in the right direction like that having that bit of empathy for your dog for somebody else looking after that dog for yourself mm. 
like actually just going because like living with a reactive dog can be so narrowing and of their, somebody's lifestyle and their dogs and it's probably not the life anybody signed up for with their dog they be you know you know it's, it takes a pretty special person to take on a deliberately take on a reactive dog mm. and bringing that into your life will bring changes to your life and not all of them are necessarily you don't necessarily welcome all of them because um, it might mean that you no longer have friends to your house or it might mean that you can't go to that social gathering especially if you combine it with other issues that often come along for the ride like mm. the amount of dogs where you're working with reactivity and separation or you know, re- resource guarding resource guarding or something but that, that's where we kind of really know that it's coming from that underlying uh, emotional place of I'm not comfortable and so when we're working with reactivity for me that's where I'll start it's like that overview that, like that holistic look where where is the dog in deficit? So can, what, in what ways can we improve this dog's well-being, stress levels, health? Because I think unless we address any of that first, a training plan could, one, at best be futile, but two, it could actually make it worse. Yeah. Well, and I think because now that we're, I was thinking about it when I was driving yesterday, when I started working with Archie, and his reactivity eight years ago and thinking from... She was like eight years ago. Yeah. And from the knowledge base that I came from, and this is why it didn't work, because I didn't have the knowledge of things like understanding that gut sensitivity, skin sensitivity, mental trauma, you know, all these things because there was so, so much information about it's just a training issue. Mm. All you need to do is counter condition and that's going to work with every dog. And when make it Make them like the stimulus. Make them like build a positive association to it. But it's more than that. Yeah. You know, and it's not, it's not just, oh, cool, here's cheese. You see a person, here's cheese. You see a person, here's cheese. It wasn't that simple. Mm. So, you know, going through the... And I do hate the word journey, but it's the only word that seems to fit. The journey. The journey. I just don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to start singing. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, going through that with him and learning through him that it was, there was more to it than that. That it was, you know, giving him the ability to, you know, teach me what he needed. But even when we look at some of the training styles that are still out, kind of going back to the aversives, where people are like, well, you just need to do this. Yeah. And it's not, take, again, taking that step back and looking at the dog, like the dog in front of you and going, you have a story, you need to tell me, somehow I'm going to have to figure that out. And as well as the caregiver mm-hmm. and, the, and the whole um, family situation is, and as we said before like holistically are they are they sleeping what are they eating do they have allergies are they getting enough mental stimulation you know looking at their like inch by inch everyday life and yeah. breaking that down and then going okay so we're going to try this yeah and then if it doesn't work that's okay you know yeah. it's not one size fits all no like I mean just an example uh, working with a dog yesterday um, so, camp dog coming from a uh, really rural setting mm. basically was 
almost like a wild dog um, like scenario where they just it just was a street dog it roamed uh, taken at four years old brought into a home and I'm looking at this dog its reactivity uh, concerns and I'm like the first thing I want to do and this is this is it can feel a bit counterintuitive but like I want to give this dog a bit more how can I afford this dog more freedom mm. because that is a fundamental need of this dog that, like, look at its background look at like everything about this dog as like what it needs as its baseline enrichment needs and it is on lead or indoors and so what can we do to just free this dog's sense of movement up start building things in its life that uh, genuinely takes enjoyment from because they've done a in one sense they've done a fantastic job they have consolidated and they've kept this dog and everybody around it safe right and when in the home not stressed Mm -hmm. but also doesn't practice any behaviours other than sleeping and attention seeking and it's not an excessive attention seeker it just really loves company yeah Um, but it doesn't take any enjoyment from anything else and so okay we've got a few things to work on there in terms of how can we get this dog just enjoying life again? Mm. And then we go back to what are the fundamental needs? Well, it probably will really appreciate some freedom of movement, um, some problem-solving activities, just thinking for itself. So less training, less do this, do that, because mm. it's probably not where its background, probably not what it finds inherently rewarding. Yeah. Um, and look, I only saw them yesterday for the first time and looking forward to seeing the progress, but that was my first take. Yeah. Um, we'll, go, we'll go into the, you know, the can conditioning and all of that, but not yet, because it's just not there yet. Well, I mean, if you think of that, you know, a four-year-old dog that was basically a street dog. Yeah. Now an eight-year-old dog. Right. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so that, you know, something that I didn't mention before, like we have genetics. Mm. Right? So if you've got that, to me, it's like when people take, and I see them, um, dingoes, who have been domesticated uh, since 1976 in the Northern Territory, so they've been breeding them for domestication. They cannot be let off lead. They can't, because they are still dingoes. Mm. You know, four generations or nearly 50 generations, five generations is not enough. Mm. And there was a study that's still being run in Russia. With the foxes? With the foxes, right? They are still not domesticated. And that's been going on since 1952. Mm. 52 or 42, something insane like that. And they were selectively breeding for temperament, which they then found completely changed them aesthetically. So they would breed the litter and then take the ones that were more affiliative to the humans and then they would breed that. They're still not Mm. that. So, you know, if we've got, and you see this with people who, we don't have it much over here in Australia, but over overseas where they have, you know. The Romanian street dogs. Romanian street dogs or they come from, or they go from Mexico or Bali dogs and um, uh, Thai dogs. These dogs, I worked with one that came from, it was a Singapore street dog. And this, no. Yeah. It's just because genetically they're not, they, they haven't got the, the DNA history of human. Good thing. Yeah. Being on lead. Good thing. Being on lead with another dog. 
Good thing. They just don't have that. No. So taking, we have to take that into consideration. And I'm sure there's somebody potentially watching right now going, my dog's a street dog and loves it. It's good. That's a unicorn. And there's outliers. There's outliers, but that's not the norm. And, yeah, these dogs that get brought into a domestic environment, it's not always about training. It's about setting expectations of the caregiver. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, you know, it is facilitating the needs of that animal mm. because we are putting them in in, um, in environments that are not natural for them. You know, it would be like... It's, it, it, it's kind of like um, people who grow up in the military. So they go into um, cadets really young and then they go into the army and then they're in um, the army until they're 40 or 50 and they come out and they're like still tucking their bed in and putting their shoes because that's what they are used to. Yeah. Or people who spend their life in foster care and then juvie and then go to jail and then they come out. You know, the likelihood of those people reoffending is is something insane. I don't want to put a number up because I don't know specifically, but a lot of them reoffend because they don't understand the outside world. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's not. Yeah, society itself can be the problem. <laughs> the expectations on that person, like not necessarily the reoffender, but you know, somebody coming out of the military, um, that. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong. And there's just what they know and, you know, they're not doing anything wrong. It's just we've got to have different expectations. I've got a lot of friends back home that grew up um, in that really, you know, in my early 20s going off and having military experience. And when they came back, certainly had to, there was a really tough road for to reacclimatize to civilian life again. Um, and yeah it's tough for them like really tough well if you go like from if we're using that kind of as an analogy of people going from like the military and then going okay now you can do whatever the hell you want they've gone from being told they have to get up at a certain time they eat at a certain time they shower at a certain time they do this at a certain time so their whole day from waking to sleeping is set out for Mm. them they don't have to think about it but it gives that 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 sense of um comfort and familiarity because they just get up and know what's happening Mm. and then they they're set out into the real world and then they're like now some people will take those those um stringent uh, behaviours and, and routines and put them in to their day-to-day life and they will function normally but yep. there will be people who aren't so if you think about the the dogs that we have and all different types not just street dogs it's like your border collie your border collie that you've 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 um bought from a farm that it's you know lineage has all been working breeds and they've never seen a city and then you bring them into a, a tiny apartment block that's got 700 people that live in it and go there you go for them it's chaos and then on the other end of the scale if we just go back to the military one you get some people that just aren't going to conform to those rules mm. and they're just they need less structure they need to be able to be more autonomous and then you huskies, right? <laughs> so like they're more, yeah. yeah, like different, different people, different breeds. Like they're going to react for different reasons. And you'll see, you'll see a person that needs freedom. If they, if we overimpose and put too much, uh, too many rules and confines around them, they'll become reactive. Yeah. If you put, need, see somebody that needs structure and rules around them, 
but they don't get any, they'll probably become reactive. Mm. It's because neither of them are wrong. They're just not getting their needs met. And it's the same with our dogs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, understanding what you have in front of you, mm. but not, not putting blinkers on and going, okay, well, I saw that, you know, the only reason, and this has been around, the only reason that dogs are reactive is because they're fearful. No, that's crap. Well, it is. Again, it's, you know, just going, okay, well, that dog's reactive because it's a German shepherd or that dog's reactive because it's a chihuahua. You know, it's it's kind of, we do that and then that just puts the umbrella and we go, oh, well, it's just a chihuahua. Poor little Mexican. (laughs) Mexican. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) <laughs> Makes them break. Yeah, yeah, I had a brain fart there. Sorry. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, what we're getting at is reactivity <laughs> is extremely complex, and it's something that we need to take stock of the entire situation, and it's difficult to live with. <laughs> so if you do have a reactive dog, reach out to a professional. Yeah. Don't do it alone. Uh, you are going to scream and yell. You are going to get frustrated. It is very isolating. It's You'll feel disappointed, and that's normal. Don't berate yourself for feeling that way. I can mm. totally understand because I did the same thing. Um, seek help and be patient for both you and your dog. You know. yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested, we've got a reactivity course in the members area. We Go check do. it out. <laughs> On that note, folks. In my face. on that note folks we'll see you next week bye bye thanks so much for listening that's it for this week guys if you ever want to ask questions give feedback or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram I'll be happy to help if you're feeling really generous leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on and if you want to nerd out more with us then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible see you next week This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.